We hope you've enjoyed this message from Pastor Steve Graham, recorded at Equipus Church Dunedin. For more information, please visit equipuschurch.com. And it's like, oh, and, and so it's this kind of paradox that, that on one hand, God inspires us with dreams and visions about what he could do through us, but then in a sense, he takes us back and he really grounds us in and, and and a sense, in a very ordinary sense, like, yeah, but I wanna, I wanna work my kingdom in you. And it actually looks, in a sense, quite ordinary, except if you're living in it, it's wonderful. And if you don't have peace and joy at home, it's not wonderful. You know, there's, there's a proverb that kind of looks a bit sexist. It says, better to live on the corner of the roof than share a house with a quarrelsome wife. It's because it's they're written in a patriarchal, whatever culture. But you could translate it today and you go, better to live in a one-room flat than to live in a multi-million dollar mansion with a husband who's emotionally detached from you. Or better to have a job working night fill at Countdown than be salesman of the year, but my kids hate me and they don't want to talk to me. And it's like, you can have all the success in life, but if your key relationships aren't marked by peace and joy, um, life just sucks. It doesn't make, you can't make up for this of the kingdom in you through a sense of achievement out there in the world. And I love the fact that God so much is concerned. This is what what it looks like. This is what I wanna do in your life. I wanna transform you uh, to have key right relationships marked by peace and joy. You feel safe and sound and happy in life. And it's like, oh man, God wants it. God wants that. And I, I love the sense today, you know, the, the father is here just with this gentle thing. He's like, I want to do good things in your key relationships. Yeah, I want to use you to, I want to give you visions of doing stuff in business and career and ministry and stuff. But actually, I just, in a sense, it sounds like I want you to be happy in life. And a lot, all the stuff out there is never going to compensate if you're miserable at home. And so I actually, God's like, I actually want you to flourish at home in your key relationships. Um, I don't know if any of the people, uh, if you've listened to Shout Conference, one of the amazing sessions was by Dr. Lavinia Dewar, who's, um, she's one of the pastors of Equippers in England, but she's a medical doctor who specializes in mental health and addictions and wholeness and stuff. And she did this session around addictions and she talked about neurotransmitters, and, and she talked about these, serotonin, the feeling when you're admired, respected, when you're a hero to someone, you're amazing, and oxytocin also gives a good feeling. You feel safe with a group of people, and this is literally what she said. I wrote this down when I was thinking about this message. It's like at the end of a hard day's work, and you go home, and you're with your family, and you think, I'm finally home, I feel safe, and you shut the front door. It's also released when you're hugged or cuddled. Isn't it amazing? God has actually wired your brain to thrive in an environment where you feel safe and sound. And there's nothing like arriving home and going, close the door, thank God I'm home. And there's nothing worse than coming up to home and having to take a deep breath and going, I don't know what I'm gonna face when I open that door. And it's like, oh, God actually has wired us to thrive in an environment where we feel safe and sound. And then she talked about two other, um, two other uh, neurotransmitters. Endorphin, the great feeling from laughing, cracking jokes, high fives, exercise, dancing, 
Falling in love, sex, spicy food. She said, preferably not at the same time. Sex and spicy food. Pain-killing effect, natural morphine. And then dopamine, a higher feeling. When your team scores a winning goal, that's the feeling that you didn't feel when the All Blacks played England. But if you're a South African, that's the feeling you felt when they won. Um, but um, when you're about to get a reward, food, chocolate, blue cheese, released by what gives you pleasure, gaming, pornography, drugs released, massive amount, eating, falling in love, sex, exercise, blah, blah. And it's like, oh my goodness, there's two neurotransmitters that are wired for you to thrive in an environment of peace. There's two neurotransmitters that are wired for you to thrive in an environment of joy. I mean, when God says, uh, and dopamine, this is God's idea, but when God says, this is my, he's like, I want you to thrive in life, and I've actually wired you to thrive in an environment of peace and joy. Your brain will send all kinds of signals, this is a great place for me to do life. And the good news today is if you're not there yet, and none of us are completely there yet, God's like, I want my kingdom of God, I want the kingdom of God to advance in your life. You're gonna step into more peace and more joy because you know how to do right relationships. And it's like, I want you to thrive in life. And you know, that's been my testimony from a pretty broken, dysfunctional family uh, solo mum, dad, in and out of jail and then left and struggling and stuff to now um, having been married 31 years and had some massive ups and downs and stuff to go, the further I go in God, the better life gets. And, and the more that he causes me to find, to become whole, to find right, to have a better marriage, to have better relationships with my kids, that the, king, the kingdom through me looks like tr- flying down to Dunedin and speaking, going to England or Tonga or whatever and, and seeing amazing things. The kingdom in me looks like I just have a peace and joy with my wife and my kids and nothing else could replace that. And I got great news for you. God, in his loving gentleness, wants to advance his cause in your life today, which looks like better relationships marked by peace and joy. How cool is that? I just think it's amazing. You know, and and you realize not just our brain chemical, the Bible says we're created for this. If you go right back to Genesis, Adam and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. Talk about feeling safe and sound, completely vulnerable, completely exposed, and totally okay with it. I feel completely safe in this relationship. Um, and then, uh, and it doesn't take long to, oh, going back to that, maybe the fact that they're naked, there's also a bit of excitement, joy in the mix coming up. But, um, but they, um, well, Pastor Desiree got it, but that's all right, everyone else is, it's a cold Sunday morning. But it doesn't take long to see where it goes wrong. You know, they, they like, when they, they sin, they eat the fruit, it just says they sewed fig leaves together. Their first, the, interesting, this is like, this is not watered down Christianity. The first response in the Bible is not actually a sense of dislocation from God. It's a sense of dislocation from each other. I was designed to feel safe and sound with you. Now I hide away and I'm scared and I have a, and there's an agitation and a fear and a lack of peace. Like that was the first result of sin. They hid from each other. Like get the significance of that. It's not surprising then that what does the kingdom looks like? I start taking you back into right relationships marked by peace, marked by joy. I'm undoing the effect of sin in your life. And it's like, oh man. And then, you know, and then they talk about, yeah, I hid from God. Uh, but it's like, I'm hiding, I'm designed for right relationships, I'm designed for connection, but I find myself hiding and withdrawing because I'm scared, I don't know if I can trust you, I don't know if I'm gonna get hurt. 
and I hide away. The second thing that happens, though, is if you know God comes to the, um, the uh, you know, woman, who told you you're naked? Oh, comes to the man, have you eaten from the tree? The man said, the woman you put here with me. And it's like, it's just a, there's this, you know, there's this dad joke, eh, around this thing, like, the, um, God comes to the man and said, what's happened? He said, oh, it's her fault. Comes to the woman and said, what happened? Oh, it's the snake's fault. Came to the snake, what happened? And he didn't have a leg to stand on. <laughs> anyway, but anyway, uh, but going back to this, it's like, oh, the, her, the woman that you, it's like, rather than kind of vulnerability, we just attack. So we're made for openness and connection. We end up this, in shame and blame. And rather than go, yeah, I messed up, I'm sorry, I've damaged this relationship. Oh, no, it was your fault. If you hadn't done that, I wouldn't have snapped at you. If you hadn't have done that, I wouldn't have done this. It's all your fault. And it's like, oh, what a terrible situation to be in. I'm created for relationships of peace and joy. I end up in shame and blame. Yeah. And it's like, God's like, no, I want to I want to transform this. God is a loving father. It's like, I haven't designed you to live like this. I want to see this transformed again. So you go, this is, the, the more I keep coming back because you realize this is a really profound verse. What does the kingdom of God look like in your life? Righteousness, right relationships, marked by peace and marked by joy. I don't know about you, it's like, I want that. I want nothing external in the world, nothing about the kingdom through me, nothing about external success will compensate for a lack of that. And if I've got that, everything else just becomes an added bonus. If I, yeah, it's just amazing. And um, so I want to talk about um, a, a parable, really famous. So the thing with parables is what Jesus did is he, to illustrate the kingdom of God, he picked an area of life and he, he kind of drew comparisons. So it's like, oh, fishing or being a shepherd or growing plants, and he kind of drew comparisons over, oh, this is what God's like, this is how the kingdom works. One of his most famous parables is the parable of the prodigal son, which if you think about it, he actually took the arena of relationships. He took a pretty dysfunctional, messed up family. I don't know where the mum was. There's a dad and two sons. There's been a breakdown of relationship with both sons. And Jesus uses that to illustrate principles about how God works but this morning, I just want to kind of turn it uh, kind of bit upside down and go, but in the process, he actually shows us some principles about relationships. So I, I want to look at this as a bit of a different way today. How does this parable in itself teach us some principles about relationships? Because it's got three, it's got a prodigal, who's the person who breaks relationship. He's got the elder brother, who's the person who, who feels hurt and angry because of the break of relationship. And then at the end, you've got this amazing father figure who kind of is able to walk into that with precisely what Pastor Desiree said, with this gentleness that just restores relationship. And I want to suggest to you, because you're a human being, there will be some part of your life where you're the prodigal, where you have broken relationship, where you have created hurt. Maybe it's really bad. Maybe it's just you snapped at your wife this morning or you're a bit short with the kids. Maybe it's, but maybe it is bigger. You really hurt some people. And, and, and there's some lessons about how to come back from that. But then also because you're a human being, you will have been hurt by relationships. 
And again, maybe it's just small. Someone said something at work the other day and it just hurt you a bit. Or maybe it is bigger, like someone has really hurt you and let you down. And again, there's some principles about how to come back from that place. And in the middle of it, there's this incredible father figure who draws both back to wholeness. And it's like, I I wanna know that father, but I wanna carry that same spirit, that gentle spirit that leads my relationships towards a place of peace and joy, that creates a place in in my heart that's safe and sound for the people around about me. And um, and, uh, so I just wanna unlock it there. And I just feel, you know, to be honest, I was sitting at the front going, God, where where are you? What are you doing this morning? And when Pastor Desiree just says, just really feel this gentleness, I was like, oh, that's it. And, And the Father's here to just... Just be really gentle and go, I want to lead you to a place that's safe and sound, where there are right relationships, where your life is more and more marked by the sense of peace and joy. And I feel like there's some of you, you know, who've struggled for years in this and just to feel God's reward, like he's working to bring this into your world. So let's have a look at the prodigal. So you know the story. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his Father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had had. So in our culture, like, that's good news. My youngest daughter turned 24 on uh, Thursday. She's finally leaving home. We're like, yes. (laughs) I mean, we love her, but it's not. For us, it's in our culture, it's a symbol of maturity. Like, it's time, I'm moving out. She's a broke student still doing masters in psychology, so she, she's like living at home. But it's like, for us, it's a sign, it's like an accomplishment. Oh, she's ready to go. But in this culture, it was a betrayal of relationship. Wow. He, he broke relationship. He was like, I'm out of here. I don't want to be part of this anymore. And, and, and he damaged their family and he damaged their relationship. He took their inheritance and he walked away from relationship. And he hurt the, peop- the key people in his world. Uh, and you know, and it, and it said, uh, and then he goes, and he got, and he goes to another country, and it goes well for a little bit. It often does, and then it just starts going from bad to worse. It's like out of the fire, frying pan into the fire. So I don't know about you, but if you've ever made a mistake, and then it just starts getting worse, and we find ourselves in a position like, how did it, like I really have messed up now, and every step I take is just making this worse. And, and, and the great news is, you know, in this, uh, here's the, so here's the thesis, okay? All of us have some part of our life where the prodigal. Some part of us have part of our life where the elder brother. What do you do when you're over here and you realize I'm, I, I hurt someone that's really special to me? I've actually damaged some key relationships. What are you gonna do? And, and there's a lovely picture in this. It just says, first of all, when he came to his senses, and again, the blame, oh no, it was their fault. If they hadn't done that, you know, if they had been, if she had been more um, attractive and sexually available, I wouldn't have had to have an affair. It's like, stop it. <laughs> Just come to your senses. Oh, I did something stupid. I love this center. Maybe this is offensive, but I, this is really strong for me. It's like we're all one decision away from stupid. 
I'm one decision away from doing something stupid that destroys something that's really important to me. And this guy wakes, and maybe it was just like, oh, man, we was having such a nice time, you know, chatting, and then I, why did I just snap at her before I walked out the door? Like, this is dumb. Or maybe it is more serious. But whatever it is, there's this point like, when he came to his senses. And there's a part of this that goes, man, how about we just stop the, the shame and blame and come to our senses, and verse 18 makes the decision, I will set out and I'm gonna go back. I'm gonna turn around and I'm gonna go back, and then, Father, I have sinned. Put my, rather than Adam, no, it was her fault, and it, was, and it only happened because you did it, so it's your, really her fault and your fault. So no, I put my hand up, I'm, I'm sorry I shouldn't have talked like that. Sorry I shouldn't have done that. I'm sorry I didn't do what you asked, what I said I was gonna do. It's my fault. And I love um, C.S. Lewis, uh, many of you know Lion, Witch and Wardrobe. He's got this great thing. He says, we all want progress, but progress means getting nearer to the place where you want to be. And if you've taken a wrong turn, wrong turning, then to go forward does not get you any nearer. If you're on the wrong road, progress means doing an about turn and walking back to the right road. And in that case, the man who turns back soonest is the most progressive. It's like, because part of me is the prodigal, I'm gonna have to get used to making frequent U-turns because <laughs> I'm gonna keep getting things wrong. And if I learn to make them quicker, sooner, I'm, gonna, I'm, not, I'm gonna be less and less going into deeper holes for longer periods of time. I, rather than like, we didn't talk for years. We didn't have a sex life for years because of her, we did, our marriage, we didn't communicate, we haven't talked to the son for years. I learned to do much quicker U-turns and come back quicker to things. You know, there's nothing progressive about being pig-headed and refusing to admit a mistake. That's what the prodigal did. Yeah, I, I made a decision, I thought I was, I left. I ran out of money, I ended up working for an unclean Gentile who put me looking after pigs, who, and I was so hungry I wanted an egg. I was like, why don't you just turn around and go home? Why don't you put your hand up and go, I got it wrong, I made a mistake. I'm so sorry. And it's like part of succeeding in life is learning to do frequent U-turns and learn to say, I'm sorry, real quickly. Um, what, uh, my wife and I have enjoyed, uh, there's some Jewish uh, marriage counselors, the Gottmans, who one of their claims to fame is they reckon they can watch a marriage, a five minute video of a marriage and predict with like 97% uh, accuracy whether they're gonna be divorced or not uh, in a few years. And so one of the things they talk about is, uh, is repair attempts. So they get that. So this is kind of counterintuitive. Masters of relationships repair early and often. If you're great at relationships, it doesn't mean that you have no problems. It means you get really good at turning around quickly and saying, I'm sorry. When I've walked out the door and I was a bit sharp, I don't spend the day sulking or the week being passive aggressive. I realize what a stupid thing to do. I text you straight away with a little love heart and say, I love you. I'm sorry. I snapped this morning. And I know certainly the older, in our early day, we would spend weeks in this passive aggressive silence kind of sulking. It's like, what a waste, what a waste of time. What a waste of life. Masters of relationship repair early and often. I get really, I get, I'm a master now of saying I'm sorry. 
I'm a master of putting my hand up and go, I messed up. I'm a master of apologizing to my kids. I'm sorry I snapped at you. It wasn't about you. That was about me. I, I'm really sorry. I love you. And I, and I want us, and I want a great relationship with you. He goes on. They have lots of strategies for how to repair. Gottman describes a repair attempt as this. Any statement or action, silly or otherwise, that prevents negativity from escalating out of control. And I love a person writing about this. The reason I love the concept so much is because of that word, any. Leads a ton of room for creativity. And because every relationship is different, finding the repair strategies that work for you can actually be a unique game that belongs. It's like, you know, when you had a little argument and you're not really talking and you kind of make the cup of tea and walk over and put the cup of tea down and walk away. And it's like, it's not about the cup of tea. It was a repair attempt. It was kind of reaching out again. And it's like the ability to recognize repair, to give repair, and to attend. It's like, we gotta get good at repairing because we're gonna keep hurting people. And it's like, I wanna become a master at repairing the key relations just to turn around and go, you know, at work, I've got a team that I manage at work and just a number of times this year, I was just under a bit of pressure snapped and to go in and just bring morning tea to our next team in and go, hey guys, I'm sorry, I shouldn't, I've just, I'm just a bit tired and stressed. Um, that wasn't okay how I talked last week, I'm sorry. So I get really good at saying I'm sorry Um, because that's part of life. Oh, we stopped, there we go. Um, Do you guys do the prepare premarital course? Oh yeah. yeah. So uh, we've been doing that for a few couples in Auckland and one of the things I love in there, there's actually a whole section about dealing with conflict and one of the lessons, this is premarital, is give some, some steps. Like if you're gonna get, if you're preparing for marriage, here's the key thing, learn how to ask for forgiveness. Yeah. Why? Because the assumption is you're gonna do things that are gonna need you to ask for forgiveness. And even if you're not married, it's like in all your relationships, you're still gonna do things where you're gonna have to get good at asking forgiveness. Yeah. And it's like these are some of the things. Admit what you did was wrong. Yeah. Try to understand or empathize with the pain you have caused. Take responsibility for your actions and make restitution if necessary. Assure your partner you will not do it again. Apologize and ask for forgiveness and forgive yourself. It's like, man, if I'm gonna, if God wants relationships of peace and joy, part of me is always gonna be the prodigal who keeps making dumb decisions that hurt people in my world. I gotta get really good at coming to my senses, turning around, going back and saying I'm sorry. And it's like, oh, I'm, I don't want to be, I don't want to be left in that place of just stubborn. Like I don't, I'm in the pig pen now. I'm feeding the pigs now. I'm one, but it's like I'm just, I'm too stubborn to go back and say I'm sorry. You want to spend years with broken relationships? God's like, I want to restore peace and joy in your life, but you got to learn how to do some U-turns. So, so part of us is yeah, I'm. Because I'm a fallen, broken human being, I'm always going to be over here. I'm, part of me is always going to be the prodigal who just does some dumb things and hurts people. And I'm going to have to learn how to do my part in restoring it. But because I live in a broken world and no matter how nice and kind the other people in my world are, I'm also going to be over this side, the elder brother who's got hurt by relationships. So I'm going to have to learn how to dig myself. I've got to learn how to dig myself out of this place, but i also got to learn how to dig myself out of this place. Because you can be as stuck here as you are there. Um, 
you know, for me, one of the great tragedies of my life, I talked about my dad was kind of in and out of jail and left, and, and, and you know, my mom, solo mom, brought us up. Me and my brother, no, she was a, worked full-time as a nurse, no support from my dad, no support from the government, just hard work. But, one, you know, one of the great tragedies of life is who, when I, she's, she's 80 now, and she started, she's in a retirement village, goes to a little Anglican church service there, and, and feels like she's getting free. But for much of her life, if you had said to me, whose soul is the most twisted and broken, I would say, this is so unfair, but it's my mum. My dad did all the stuff, but, but it's like, oh my goodness, we need an answer to people who not just hurt, but who have been hurt. Because otherwise it can destroy you as much as that side. And it's like, we, if we're gonna have relationships of peace and joy, I need some answers on this side that leads me back to relationship as much as on this side that leads me back to relationship. And if you've been hurt or disappointed, um, I'm not minimized, but like, welcome to humanity. And, that, and some of you will have been really unjustly, unfairly hurt. I've got great news for you. The gospel has an answer for you to find wholeness as well. You know, if you read the story, the elder brother was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing, called one of the servants, what's going on? Your brother has come and your father has killed the fattened calf. Now get this, younger brother has taken probably one third of the family wealth and, and wasted it, shamed dad, shamed the family, and has now come back. The brother is really angry and hurt and bitter with the brother, and now also that the dad's welcome to it. How could you do? So this is where you go. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. He also now has put up a wall like, I don't want relationship with those people. I'm not, I'm not going back into connection. You know, and he says to the, so he's angry with the brother, but also today, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed me, yet you never gave me. He's like, the sense like just massively let down in relationship, massively disappointed, massively angry and hurt about relationship. And, and God, and the father figure is like, son, everything I have is yours. Like, you needed to learn how to ask for stuff. We're like, oh, they should have known. You know, are you okay? Yes. Are you all good? Yes. It's like, no, you're not. Like, don't be dumb. Learn to ask for what you need. Learn to say I'm not good. It's a bit harsh, but you know, often in Christianity, and particularly for nice Christian women, there's this, like, die to yourself. Don't, Don't be selfish. It's like, no, no, normal adult human beings express their needs and ask for what they want and need in life. And so he was angry, bitter, disappointed, because again, and he, and he stuck there. You know, one of the um, verses that uh, Pastor Sam Monk talks about a lot is Matthew 18, 7, New King James, woe to the world because of offenses, for offenses must come. I got, I got bad news for you. Because we live in a broken, fallen world over here, you are gonna do dumb things that hurt the people in your world. But because we live in a broken, hurt world over here, people are gonna do things that hurt you and offend you and upset you. So I gotta learn how to dig myself out of this hole when I've messed up, and I gotta dig myself out of this hole when I got hurt. And God doesn't want you stuck in this place. 
as much as he doesn't want you stuck in that place. And, and to see the amazing thing of getting free. You know, again, part of the, um, the premarital thing, just said this, forgiveness is the decision or choice to give up the right to vengeance, retribution, and negative thoughts towards an offender in order to be free from anger and resentment. The process promotes healing and restoration of inner peace. Remember where we started? And I love that. And it can allow reconciliation to take place. Because here's the point. Reconciliation is about two people. But it's like forgiveness is about I'm going to be free. One of the things I learned, you know, you can forgive because that's about me. You can love because that's about me. You can even honor. That's about me. Trust is about your character. So I learned, I had to learn as a, I had to learn to forgive my dad, love my dad, honor my dad. I learned that I could still never trust him. Because if I trusted him, he would hurt me and hurt my mum and hurt our family. Trust is about the other person. Forgiveness, love is about you being free. Sam? Yeah. The other bald guy from Auckland. <laughs> I forgive you. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and they say it's, it's also important to be clear about what forgiveness is not. Forgiveness is not forgetting, condoning, or perpetuating injustice. Since it is sometimes unsafe or impossible, forgiveness does not always involve reconciliation. Forgiveness is you need to get free. I love the fact, you know, King David, he, he honored Saul. He's like, I'm not going to attack him. I'm not going to take him out. But this, I will stay out of the range of the spears. This man is unsafe. I'll make sure this, and but it's like, man, I, it's about I need to get free from what's in my heart over here because this, I don't want to become a hurt, bitter, angry person. Right, yeah. Yeah. Forgiveness is like, I want you to discover peace and joy. Whether there's reconciliation d- depends whether this person over here is willing to come to their senses and turn around. But as far as it's up to me, I'm going to live in peace and joy with the people in my world. Because that's what God wants. Again, interesting, this premarital. It's funny, you know, a whole section, how to deal with conflict. Page one, how to ask for forgiveness. Page two, how to grant forgiveness. It's like, if I'm going to be good at relationships, I've got to get good at asking forgiveness, and I've got to get good at granting forgiveness. Again, Christians like, someone say, oh, you know, I'm sorry, please forgive me. Oh, don't worry about it. No, that's a dumb response. It's like, no, I forgive you. And, and it says, I love this, acknowledge your pain and anger. Uh, uh, this interest, allow yourself to feel disrespected. Don't minimize. No, what you, did re- yeah, what you did really hurt me. I felt really ashamed. I felt really disappointed. I felt really disrespected, actually. Like, let's be real about it. Number two, though, be specific about your future expectations. Yeah, but, you know, that, I'm not, um, it's kind of, dirty laundry stuff, but when I was, you know, younger married, I'd often be quite snap or angry or put down, and my wife got to a point, she said, I'm not prepared to put up with you talking to me like that anymore. Like, you just, you're disrespecting me. I was like, yeah, you're right. Like she had to name it, like, I'm not prepared to put up with this. It's gone a bit quiet there, sorry. Um, get, um, give up your right to get even, but insist on being treated better. Let go of blame, resentment, and negativity. Communicate your act of forgiveness and work towards reconciliation when safe. Man, how cool that Equipus Dunedin, we became masters 
of relationship because we become masters of repair. I know how to repair when I've messed up and I know how to repair when I've been messed up. But either way, the kingdom is about moving towards right relationships of peace and joy. And I'm gonna learn how to dig myself out of both of these holes really quickly, really frequently, and I'm not gonna settle there. And so, so there's this, you know, the prodigal son. He's the example of the guy who damaged relationship. The elder brother, he's the example of the guy who'd been hurt. And in the middle of it all, there's this amazing father figure who just walks into these situations and has this calm presence, gentle presence, that draws people back towards peace and joy. And it's like, I got good news. Number one is this, you can walk in that same spirit. I wanna carry that into my world. I wanna carry that into my home, into my parenting, into my workplace, into my family, into my marriage. But also I got great news for you. Actually, when the whole point of the parable, this is a picture of God, is is like, oh, he's actually, if you're over here as the prodigal, he's gonna come to you as the father and draw you back in. If you're over here as the older brother that's hurt or angry, he actually will come to you and draw you back in. But let's look at what the father did. You know, as we said, Father, give me share of my estate. So he divided his property. He, he, he actually, amaz- he, he's this calm presence that respects relationship boundaries. Son, this is a bad move, but you're an adult, it's your choice. Totally convinced this is not going well, but if it's what you wanna do, I'm not gonna manipulate you, I'm not gonna be passive aggressive, I'm not gonna sulk. You're making a choice, I'll let you go. And, and Pastor Sam Monk is often taught, we want adult relationships in the church. We don't manipulate, we don't intimidate, we, we're not passive aggressive and sulky. We, if people make choices, God has designed us to respect people's choices. I'm sure he totally disagreed with it, you know. And, then, and, and, and when he comes back, while he was a long way off, the father saw him, was full compassion for him, ran to him, threw his arms around him and kissed him. Here's the amazing thing, the father never allowed his heart to harden towards the prodigal. He's like, I'm not gonna stop you doing it, but I'm also not gonna put up this wall like he's never gonna hurt me again. Some of you know we had a daughter who ran away from home when she was 15 and was away a few years. And when she came back, because I knew the story, everything in me wants to go, do you know how much you damaged our family? Do you know how much hurt you caused? But because I've read this, it was like, welcome back. We love you. In fact, we've never talked about those years. Almost 10, yeah, 10 years later. Because the father is like, I want to keep my heart open to the prodigal. Now, they made decisions. And then more than that, bring the best robe, put it on and put a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet, bring the fat and calf and kill it, let's have a feast. He's like, yes, my son's back. He kept his, he had peace and joy still. And he didn't get hard towards him. And I want to encourage you, where you're a prodigal, God has not gone hard, not gone angry, but he'll respect your decision. And when you come to your senses and decide to turn around and come back, he's gonna be there with open arms going, welcome back. You can spend as long as you want going to the foreign land, going to the foreigner, going to the pig pen. He'll let you go, he'll let you make the decisions until you like, yep. Come to my, I'm over this, I'm coming back. And then you go, welcome home. Because he's not gonna violate your decision, he's not gonna violate your free will, but he's gonna be there to welcome you back. The interesting thing though, 
is he didn't spare him from the consequences of his decision. He didn't bail him out. He didn't, he's like, son, you're gonna make a decision. And he let him, he's like, the only way you're gonna learn is the consequence. Sometimes we try and save people from the consequences of their decision, and all we're doing is becoming codependent and perpetuating, uh, we're enabling them to keep making bad decisions. And so this hard thing, it's like, I love him, but I'm gonna let him go. Maybe he heard reports, he's not doing well. Did you hear there's a famine there? I think he's run out of money. It's like, my heart is totally for him, but I, there were consequences. You wanna have an affair, that's your choice, but I'm not, I, the consequences, I'm not prepared to be in a marriage with an unfaithful spouse. You wanna yell and blow your top and say, well, you're just, that's just your Irish temperament. That's your call, but I'm not prepared to live in an abusive relationship. So I'm not controlling you, but I am. There are consequences to your choices. And, and, and you, you know what? I've, I find it really interesting. The earlier parable about the lost sheep, doesn't he leave the 99 in the open fields and go after him? To someone who has wandered off and got lost, you go after them to bring them back. But to someone who's making decisions, oh, go back. He waits, but he's like, this person made a choice. They know what they're doing. I, I gotta respect their choice. And it's like, wow, there's, which leads to this, there's this concept in theology. Okay, oh, I am uh, almost finished. Relationality, which says this. We tend to either get totally fused or enmeshed or we get isolated or detached. But this comes from the Trinity. Actually, relationality is my capacity. I'm a distinct human being, separate, and I've got my own particularity, but I'm connected, in communion, intimate, empathetic with this other person and no own thing. And it's this, that's what adult relationships look like. I'm not you, I'm different, but we're connected. And I, and I either often just get, I'm not gonna get enmeshed in this relationship, but I'm not gonna put up a wall and get separated. We're gonna be in relationship as two separate people. And we're gonna respect each other. And we're gonna communicate with each other. And we're gonna build something great. And that's what I love about this thing with the father, this one. So the father went out and pleaded with him. Because the, the younger had made a decision. Dad's like, I totally disagree. I'll be waiting here, but you've made a call. But the father almost knew over here that older brother was lost in this thing. And, and dad's like, I need to go out. I'm gonna go out to him. How cool is that, that loving, gentle father? If you're lost in a place of bitterness, anger, confusion, the father actually comes to you. If you're over here and you made some decisions, he'll respect your decision and he'll wait for you. But if you got lost in something, he'll come to you. And he'll go, don't stay here. This is destroying you. This is damaging you. Please what? Please come in and get connected again. Don't isolate, don't get detached. Um, and, and this whole thing, my son, you're always with me. Everything I have is yours. And he invites him into connection. We had to celebrate. Be connected with me. Be connected with you. Don't get isolated and bitter and alone. And over here, like, they hurt me. It's like, can't you hold up the mirror? You are the one who's now hurt and alone and bitter. But I can help you with that, God says. Uh, and this language pleaded with them. It's actually a key word in the New Testament for how church is supposed to work. 
because it's an interesting thing. It's not control, but it's also not laissez-faire, whatever. It's this thing like, I respect you, so I'm gonna present a case to you of why I think you should do this or why I think you're about to make a mistake. And, and so it's this word in um, uh, Romans 12, therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, other, another place, it's translated in different in English, it's the same word in Greek, I appeal to you. So I urge you, I appeal to you, Philippians, I plead with you. It's the same thing, it's a language of healthy relationships. Hey, I, th- I think this would be good for you, but I'm not gonna control you. I think you're about to make a big mistake. This is the reason why. I remember when I was a pastor, a guy, um, met a guy, married, kids, uh, and he, you know, classic, oh, I've caught up with this old girlfriend on Facebook, and you know, you know our marriage is bad, so I'm actually gonna leave my wife, and I'm gonna go. So I, no, and so I just felt this thing, I, I said to him, I implore you not to do this for these reasons. It's a fantasy. You haven't not, in six months time, it's gonna be back to who's gonna take out the rubbish and who's gonna pay the bills. You're chasing an illusion. And in the end, he didn't do it, but then a year later, he went off with someone else. But it's like this thing, as a pastor, I've, I've got to appeal to you. I've got to implore you. I've got to seek to persuade you, but I can't control you. But I'm also care for you, so I'm not just gonna isolate, this is what healthy people do. Can I, I, please don't do this, please, or please do this. It's this thing, I'm not gonna be fused, infused or enmeshed, but I'm also not gonna be isolated. I'm gonna be two people, and how, and so we communicate. We ask each other for stuff. We ask each other to stop doing stuff. Some of the stuff that I've learned over, over the hard way of like three or four times in our lives, my wife and I, we gone to kind of marriage counseling or marriage enrichment stuff, sometimes because things are good and we want it to be better, sometimes because things were average and we wanted to put some life back in, sometimes because things were in a real big hole and we wanted to dig ourselves out of the hole. But here's quickly just a few principles about what we do. Hang in there, Mosgill, almost finished. Um, so this, and this, this is not unfamiliar for me, use I language, not you language. So I feel not valued when you don't tell me you're not gonna be home, rather than you're a lazy, inconsiderate slob. Do you see, you, that's the old, that's the Genesis 3. You are, you are, you are. Uh, the, the vulnerability, hey, I, I feel really disrespected when I've cooked dinner and you just, you haven't yeah. let me know that you're gonna be late. Yeah. That thing, talk about the effect on you. When you're late home, it makes me feel I'm not valued. And, this, and it reminds me of when I was little and dad used to do this or mum. And it's like, oh, help, it's, vulner- it's the choice to be vulnerable rather than hiding and lobbing grenades. You know, ask for behavior change and give some options. You know, I'd like to ask you for this. Could you text me or call me if you're gonna be late? It's like giving, again, it's not like you, unless, it's like just give people some, here's some options and give some people, oh yeah, I could do this one. And then um, say you would like to talk about an issue and ask if it's a good time now. Not like you walk in the door and there's plates flying at you or there's (laughs) sullen, passive aggressive. It's like, hey, I'd like to, uh, we need to talk about how things are going. Is now a good time? And the person's like, oh my God, I just, I just had a bad time. Like, no, now's not a good time. But to go, hey, hey, just give me an hour. I need to go for a walk, but then we'll sit down and talk. Yeah. Or I just, I, I just need to chill out for a bit, but this evening, can we talk? That's, that's respectful. It's, it's empowering for both. It's not one person losing out to others. And to say, if now is not a good time, 
to say when you will commit to talk about it. I just need to go for a walk. Um, I asked my wife, where I was preaching about this in Auckland because she's far better at this stuff than me. I asked her for her, eight, her top tips. Similar, I'm just going to race through. This is her top tips, keeping short accounts. Remember what I said? Become a master of repairs from both sides. Hey, I just felt a bit hurt last night when you said that. Hey, I'm sorry how I snapped at you this morning. Getting really good at that. Keeping the heart right. Don't seal off the heart. Don't become bitter. Being a good listener. Learning to go, oh, that wasn't such a big deal. Actually, I can see that really hurt you. I'm really sorry about that. Be honest about your needs. Hey, I'm just, I'm feeling a bit neglected. I feel like you just got real busy. This is not great. Um, like the son, hey, dad, I, I really want to have a party with my friends. Sure, anytime. All you had to do was ask. Have good boundaries. That's your choice. You are free to, I'm not going to control you, but I have, I'm free to say the effect of your decision, what I'm prepared to put up with in my life. That, that's my boundary. Be kind. Be gentle. Be gentle, because it dials down anxiety. It creates an environment of peace and joy. I'm gonna try and be kind in my relationships. Don't assume anything. Oh, well, you did this because you didn't. What? Can I, uh, I don't understand why you did. Can you explain to me what you did? Because I don't understand. My wife was telling me in her extended family, there was some, something happened and um, two Families didn't talk to each other for about five years. Cousins didn't see each other. And then they suddenly somehow realized it was all a misunderstanding. One family had assumed something and it was, it was not about that at all. So I ask, and above all, trust the nudge of the spirit. Hey, I wasn't, no, no, you need to say sorry to your kids. Hey, buy your wife some roses. Hey, you need to set aside a date night. Hey, it's time for a holiday. Hey, the, hey something's not right here. You need to ask what's going on. I, lo- I love this story because it's like, oh man, God actually, I love, you know, he's got a plan to save the world. He's, he runs the universe, but he actually is drilled down. It's like, I want to help you just do life well in your key relationships. I want to be with you. I want you to find peace and joy in your key relationships. That's what the kingdom of God looks like in you. Maybe I can get the musicians to come back up. And can I invite you to stand? Sorry, I've gone too long. Righteousness, peace, and joy. I don't know how you engage with God, if it's close your eyes or raise a hand or something, but um, I just feel the gentle prodding of the Spirit, just like, be reconciled. Be reconciled. Come on, be reconciled. The gospel is a gospel of reconciliation. This incredibly loving, gentle father walks into our world and go, I have wired your brain to love being in a space where you feel safe and sound. I love creating that, not just with me, but in your world. Gentleness, safe and sound, joy and laughter, deep peace. Just for a minute, just let the Spirit kind of just bring the sense of the grace of reconciliation. You know, the Holy Spirit, the devil condemns, the Holy Spirit convicts. The Holy Spirit just shines a little spotlight on a specific thing and says, oh, you just need to do that and this will be sorted. 
the devil brings condemnation about who you are. And so right now, Holy Spirit, I just pray for a, a spirit of reconciliation. And if there's just things in our world where we go, yep, I've been a bit of, I was the prodigal. I did something that damaged relationship. Just let the Holy Spirit just highlight that. And, and just in His loving, gentle thing, He just comes along and says, hey, I can, I can journey with you back into wholeness there. We can, we can do something about this. I know, how to, I know how to do this. And so is there, is there some things where you go, yeah, I need, I need to repair. I need to do a U-turn. I need to go back and say, I'm sorry. I need to put some things right with some people. Man, God's just rebuilding some stuff. Man, God rebuilt my marriage. God rebuilt my relationship with one of my kids. I'm, this is, I, I, my testimony is it works, and He loves doing it. Just for a minute, I feel like God wants to rebuild. God's rebuilding. God's saying, come back, come home. Allow me to restore. Reconciliation. You could dare to dream again. There'd be laughter and peace in your world. But on the other side, maybe there's some things where you've just been hurt, you've been disappointed. The Father also walks out to you. And again, He just says, come home. Allow me to heal your heart. Allow me to set you free. there's such compassion and kindness for the hurt that we carry. And I just feel God's presence like He just wants to put an arm around us and walk us back into wholeness. We hope you enjoyed this message recorded at Equippers Church, Dunedin. We pray it blessed you. For more information, please visit equipperschurch.com.